Why X Matters is recorded live in the CJMU studios in downtown Winnipeg on Treaty 1 territory, the original lands of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Red River Métis. Welcome to Why X Matters, where we are talking with a panel of industry-leading experts about why trust in institutions, sense of belonging, and civic engagement have all been on the decline. In this four-part podcast series, we are unpacking the Winnipeg Foundation's 2022 Vital Signs Report to try to spark conversations about how we can work together to restore trust, heal divides, and inspire change. I'm your host and moderator, Nolan Bicknell. So welcome to the fourth and final episode of our special series, Why X Matters. Today's episode is on empathy and compassion fatigue. Uh, We'll introduce the panelists and then we'll get right to it. So with us today is Daniel Lucier, proud Franco-Manitoban and CEO of the Rousseau Compassion Network. Got it. Which is responsible for several health and human service agencies here in Manitoba that were founded by the Grey Nuns and other religious sects in Manitoba. Uh, Daniel is also active in our community and sits on the board of the Winnipeg Foundation and the Forks North Portage Partnership. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thanks, Nolan. Thanks for inviting me. Good to talk to you again. Uh, Our second panelist is Grace Shedler, born in Norway House and raised in God's Lake Cree community. Grace is a facilitator, trainer, and presenter at Circles for Reconciliation, which is a nonprofit which works to establish trust trusting and meaningful relationships between First Nations, Inuit, Métis, and non-Indigenous peoples as part of the 94 Calls to Action. Grace remains committed to sharing her language through teaching community language programs, the development of language resources, and working with many community programs in Winnipeg and Selkirk promoting Indigenous culture and language. Thank you for being here today, Grace. Thanks, Nolan. Thank you for having me. And last but not least, our final guest, Jamil Mahmood. He is the Executive Director at Main Street Project, formerly Executive Director at Spence Neighborhood Association. And for the last eight years, Jamil has been the chair of the Gang Action Interagency Network, where he was instrumental in developing a gang strategy for the city of Winnipeg. And five years ago, Jamil began working as an outreach worker doing harm reduction outreach on the streets of Winnipeg. Jamil strongly believes in community-led development, social justice, harm reduction, and empowerment. Welcome, Jamil, to the show. Thanks for having me. Good to see you again as well. Um, so this is a big topic. We've uh, This is episode four. Uh, the first three episodes we've discussed topics that have been kind of interesting to explore the divisiveness of it in a way. Uh, the trustworthiness of our institutions, which was episode one. Sense of belonging, which was episode two. And then the environment where, you know, people's understanding of climate change can often differ. So today we want to engage the panel with talking about the key elements necessary to having constructive and safe conversations as most everyone's experience of the world varies. So let's dive into our first question. This is all about empathy, so let's start by defining empathy. What is empathy to you and what are some examples of empathy and how it manifests in your field? Um, Daniel, maybe we'll start with you there. Yeah, sure. A simple way uh, for me to think about empathy, which is uh, uh, extremely important uh, for us humans to to have, is our ability to feel with uh, someone else. Um, That allows us to understand, uh, relate, and be in relationship with. Um, But for me, the more interesting word that I'd like to pay attention to is compassion, because I think empathy is a precursor. I could feel with, but it doesn't tell me what to do, right? Mm. Uh, but compassion really is getting into that relationship. And then an intrinsic ability to want to actually do something that's of service uh, in that moment and in that relationship with someone else. So that, that to me is what empathy is. It's an important piece. 
the word I uh, gravitate to in my daily life is where does compassion show up in that? Because that is the extra engagement, I think, uh, in community that, that's important for me. Absolutely. We will get into sort of solutions and ways we can foster more compassion and more empathy uh, in, in a moment. But Grace, moving to you, how do you define empathy? And with your work with uh, Circles for Reconciliation, what is the, how does empathy sort of appear in, in your work and in your day to day? Okay. So for me, empathy is that I can feel what the other person is feeling. Um, we, we can relate because we've gone through the same thing, perhaps. Mm. Um, for example, loss of a loved one. Like, we can all relate to that, right, of course. One of the examples in our work, uh, when I'm sitting in a circle, our circles are five First Nations, Inuit, Métis, and non-Indigenous people. And stories are shared through their themes, like, for example, residential schools, um, misconceptions of First Nations, Inuit, Métis people, overrepresentation of our justice system. Mm. So when a First Nations person shares their story, and since I'm in Inu, I can always find a way to relate. When a non-Indigenous person speaks through, even though their experiences is, is not mine, I relate to their openness, mm -hmm. right? Their interest in wanting to learn, I feel the people in our circles want to understand. When people don't have don't want to understand the truth of our story and all they want to do is defend what they know. I have a hard time feeling empathy. For sure. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, so over to Jamil, um, how do you define empathy and what are some examples of it in your day-to-day -day, um, day -day work? Yeah, I think I agree with what Grace and Dan said, obviously. Um, I think for me, it's it's really about that connection and relationship piece, being able to build that connection uh, in the work. And I think in this work or social service work in general, if uh, if you don't approach it with empathy and, and relationship and connection, then you're really creating like a, a divide or like an othering of the people you're serving or working with. And I think that's where um, we see, you know, a lot of the challenges in social services is um, if you're not able to do that from a relationship or connection base, then it, it does create a lot of challenges. So for us, you know, at, at Main Street Project, it's really about making sure we're connected with people where they're at. We're hiring people who have lived experience that can come in and, and take that that role of, of supporting people who are in a situation they may have been in themselves in the past um, and being able to then support them in, in whatever healing or recovery journey people are on um, and walking that path with them. That lived experience is so important, and and it, it's just kind of the it creates empathy without even really trying. If you have a similar lived experience, um, so question two, I know that all three of you are very busy, and I and just this this whole sector in general, there is the burnout effect when you're doing this work for so many years, and like you said, you come up against people who are defensive and don't really want to grow or learn or empathize. But like, how do you? How do you keep from getting burnt out doing this work? And and how do you remain empathetic if you're feeling some days where it's just, uh, you, you, it's it, on those tough days, how do you stay empathetic? Maybe we'll start with you, Grace. Self-care yeah. is yeah. incredibly important for me. I walk a lot. I walk on the land, of course, and mm -hmm. I listen to the land and I spill my guts on the land. <laughs> Nobody needs to hear that but me and and the creator. And I do this because it was given to me, right? Yeah, uh, Daniel, same question. Yeah, I, I think I would 
you know, from my observations and the things I'm involved with and the caring profession and the people I've encountered, like, I think we have to acknowledge that it's hard work. Yeah. It's really hard work. So think about, and again, hats off to people in caring profession each day waking up, being with people that, for whatever reason, are faced with challenges or barriers or they're needing help or they're very, you know, put in vulnerable positions, right? So that acknowledges hard. When I, you know, hear the question, I would first say, you know, if you're feeling burnt out, let's honor that. Don't. <laughs> it's hard to be empathetic all the time. Life happens, and so that connection, you know, that's the promise we wanna, we wanna hold every day is to to be in that space of connection and compassion and being altruistically involved in the, in the in that sharing. But it's hard work. So, you know, self care, self compassion, uh, and and if you're feeling burnt out as a care provider, that's okay. You need to reach out for help and and put that oxygen mask, right? Because it's hard to, to relate. Right, that, that old adage of like, make yeah, sure your mask yeah. is firmly secured before you help others. And it's okay, like I look at every day, that's, you know, wake up every day and think of just normal relationships you have and being in that spot of compassion, of connection all the time, mm -hmm. it's hard work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Jamil, same question to you. I mean, if there were 30 hours in a day, you could probably do that and still have more to do. So how do you avoid burning out? You've been doing this work for a very long time and, and how do you stay empathetic um, even when you're exhausted? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the way things exist now, uh, we don't have systems, especially for, you know, not-for-profits that, uh, that help in a great way everywhere. Like, some agencies do great jobs, some roles do great jobs, but in terms of, like, a system as a whole, we're not doing a great job. And, I mean, you know, we look at, I don't know if many systems are, you look at the healthcare system, you know, there's, there's mm -hmm. a lot going on. And, uh, but I think there's, there's some things is one is recognizing when you're at a point where right. that is, and then, then maybe making a move or a change, um, knowing that uh, you can't give everything all the time and, and how you manage that, I think is, is key. And it's okay to say, you know, I've reached my limit. And we, yeah. we talk a lot, lots in our organization, you know, we have many different programs. So, you know, people who work in shelter, it's a very intense crisis environment. But, you know, we also have, you know, our housing programs where it's a little more chill, you know, people are living there, it's more supportive role. And, and so maybe it's moving, moving, you know, to a different program or finding a different organization that, that you can, you know, recover or or be be at peace with and i think that's okay and i don't think we, it has to be like you have to do this work like pedal to the metal 100 percent all the time all the time it's okay to step back it's okay to work less hours it's okay to do that and and i think um supporting people not feeling guilty with that because right. when, when i was younger that was a big problem you, you feel guilty when you know you can't help everybody right but you can't help everybody and and you can't help everyone unless you take care of yourself like grace was saying right and so i think finding a balance is always important and then also um building pathways for other people to do that too and and, and letting people know it's okay to to take the pedal off the gas and and, and yeah. do it in a slower way a more thoughtful way a, a way to give yourself that ability to to recharge and it's not just for you it's for the people you're serving as well exactly it's a marathon it's not a sprint because if you're sprinting the whole time you're going to run out <laughs> of gas um yeah and i think too the the pandemic really shined a light you we heard a lot the uh the first responders those on the ground folks who really had to be the one-to-one -one connection with with folks who are, are experiencing who are in vulnerable situations and like I, i'm hoping that it kind of change the public's perception about what it means to be a for you know on the ground person who's helping in that way because um i don't think they get the the flowers that they deserve in a lot of ways nolan can i just say on Please? that like so 
there was a level of awareness, I think, of the, of the caring professions during COVID. And I just want to, again, tip my hat out yeah. to the, the momentum and what they've been doing to support people. They're still doing it. Of course. <laughs> they haven't necessarily even been able to take their foot off the pedal. And, and so I think we just need to acknowledge that. And if I can just very quickly, we, we've uncovered in our work a, a little bit of uh, the difference, again, you know, I talked about empathy being a precursor to compassion. Right. And if we can be in that compassion zone more often, it's actually what gives you energy, mm. right? And so there's a lot of research out there that seems to suggest that, you know, if you're really connected and if you're, you're motivated from that, uh, that intrinsic place to really be of service in that relationship, there's a benefit to someone who will be receiving compassion, but there's a benefit to the caregiver. And I suspect people who've chosen a caring profession can tap into that right. often, yeah. not all the time. There is empathetic distress, I would call it, rather than uh, compassion fatigue. And I think that's where, and that's why we still have people every day that can do what they're doing. And again, hats off to, to the work they're doing. Yeah, fully agreed. Grace? I just want to add, um, in our organization right now, there's a lot of heartache. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of losses, like with our staff, our First Nations and Métis staff. And what we do is we, we give them that time to heal. Mm. But also, like me and my partner, who is Bonnie, Bonnie Lowen's my partner, in circles we always have a partner. Um, we always have one First Nations or one and one non-Indigenous person. And what we do in our, or in our organization is we do what we do best. That, that gives us back our energy in being empathetic, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we try and do like, um, we like to do our presentations and we like to, and we like to do circles. Like for example, we did a couple of circles with, uh, well, the Humane Society when they took a course at Red River and uh, also mm -hmm. we did one with Life Saving Society. Very cool. Yeah. yeah, you mentioned earlier a little bit about those who get defensive and maybe aren't as receptive to your, to your comments and to your, to your, to your work, but how can, what, what do you do in those situations when someone isn't really listening? How do you find common ground with them? And how do you sort of bridge that gap and, and connect with people who might not um, start on the same wavelength? It's probably a bit challenging, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, or do you have any techniques or tricks or? Well, <laughs> yeah, we, we do. Mo um, I'm stumbling. No, it's okay. I'll let somebody else answer. I'll come back to it. Sure, yeah. yeah uh, maybe we'll go to Jamil then. How do you, like, the work that you do, there's obviously a lot of different viewpoints that you hear, I'm sure. How do you sort of cut through all that noise and try to uh, try to find common ground for people to understand the work that you're doing and, and why it's important? Yeah, I think starting with the premise that I think everybody wants the best outcome, right? Like, everybody's looking to do the best thing in the best way. People have different paths on how you get there, right? And and I think it's it's okay to take different paths. There's no, uh, we know there's no silver bullet, bullet solution for the stuff we deal with on a daily basis. And so I think that's okay. And and I think it's about for me, it's always about education. Um, taking the time to have a conversation, I think, is so important. Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes, you know, I mean, in the TikTok quick video mm. world that that's not happening right it's uh talking at people right but I think talking to people hearing people's opinion you know this is something we hear a lot right like we know um you know running a shelter on on Main Street 
<laughs> we hear a lot. There's, there's garbage in the neighborhood. There's, there's lots of things. And, uh, you know, we'll get, you know, probably three to five calls a week just about people complaining about garbage, right? And, and garbage is a real problem. It's a problem citywide. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, uh, but people see it when they're driving to work or whatever. And, and so they'll call us and complain. And, you know, we have... We just explain what's going on, why it's happening, what what's going on with our city, and um, and generally, uh, I think I'd say ninety nine percent of the people that call really understand, and, and they just need to hear that. They need right. to know that someone's working on a plan, someone's developing a, a, mm. a strategy, someone's like you know collaborations are happening to make sure we can get better garbage collection in our city and working with councillors and committees and and so just knowing that i think makes people feel a lot better and, and it it's it's so you can come at a, an issue with two opposing viewpoints but if the end result is the same from both ends then it's pretty easy to, through a good conversation and connection to get to that point as well and so i think that's the best way is to to let people share like like hear people's stories and 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 understand why they're at that point and then and then what can you do maybe you need to move your point as well and mm. and it's that give and take and and that's where conversations are when you can do that in a really good way versus just like talking at people or putting comments on social media or whatever. No, never read the comments. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah, good faith discussions, I think, too, of being willing to look inward and and assess your own biases and beliefs and thoughts and processes because not, you know, you never know what you can what you don't know. Uh, maybe, Dan, I'll go to you in the, yeah, with the same well, question. Great, great <laughs> conversation, right? Like, <clears throat> me, the word that comes up is how do I, and I'll just speak for me and uh, you know, as unskillful as I can be in those kind of things, because we're all passionate about our ideas and, mm-hmm. and our thoughts and our positions. And uh, but how do I always stay curious, right? Mm. How do I stay curious with whoever I'm speaking with? And uh, you know, I think I recognize now that I, I can always learn, whether I agree or not agree. There's always something to learn uh, in dialogue and in relationship with others. So how do I stay curious? And you know, and I was hearing Jamil. Uh, something that I, I hope I'm getting better at, but I know I have to work at, is just listening, right? And not getting caught up in my position and my story and really listening to understand what Jamil might be thinking about uh, uh, something or, or Grace may have an opinion, right? The end, you know, we may not agree, but can I in a human way really connect to that to understand, you know, where they may be coming from? And it's, it's hard work, folks, but you know, it's a, it's, it's a skill we gotta continue to, kind of hone in so yeah me it's just stay curious right stay curious open and and suspend the stories and judgment you know uh, until you as long as you can because chances are if you want to argue with me i'll probably have to take your side right <laughs> well it, t- it takes a lot less energy to just wait for your turn to talk than it does to listen and actually focus on, yeah. on the thing that's being said too grace what are your thoughts yeah exactly what they both have said yeah. uh, i guess with circles, we are very good listeners, mm-hmm. very good listeners, and we're not opinionated to when pers- someone is sharing their experience. We're just there to listen, right? We don't give them any right. bad ideas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> because, and you're creating the environment for yeah. those conversations, mm-hmm. right? That's and right. I think that's super important as well to be able to set a stage to have a safe conversation and uh, so often we don't have that and uh, and that's where people get you know frustrated or angry with each other but but you know you're out there actually building a space for these conversations to happen in a really positive way and um, and that's super important it's like the you know that's like the setup of an event right like the event is only good if all the pre-work happens to make sure everything's set up and and organized right and, and I think that's what you're you folks are doing in a really great way yeah. yeah, it's the environment and the process, right? The process mm-hmm. itself, sitting in circle, and again, mm. not uh, able to have the privilege of being in circle or even in ceremony, just the process to be able to share and, and have conversations important, right? 
there's something sure. pretty powerful about it too and i think um we've we've touched on it a little bit but being able to look at someone in the eyes is something that i didn't really think too much about until the zoom era started and we had all these meetings and interviews and i was doing all these things and you know you're looking just kind of to the south or to below someone's eyes and it's not really the same thing but um aside from setting a safe area and being curious what are some other tips that you could give our listeners when they come up across maybe a difficult conversation on how they can listen and 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 maybe be more of a more of a sponge rather than a a person who's putting out ideas but taking in as well do you have any tips or ideas or suggestions maybe we'll start with dan yeah well i I guess go back to what uh you know so how do you stay curious right try to stay present try to stop the chatter in your your head and truly listen right try to suspend the stories in your head Mm -hmm. the minute something comes up don't don't follow it get back into the conversation these are all you know more technical things uh, that I think are are, are important um, but me it's more about you know when you get to a point where you know we may not agree right so so how do you unwind from that and I think there's things like if you if you're truly listening you can at least acknowledge you know grace thank you this is what I hear is important right. for you here's what I uh, understand uh, your position to be. Thank you for that. I learned something. Yeah, I still disagree, but let's shake on it, right? right. Uh, and we can do it in a human way, right? Uh, and if we do that, I think you know we could probably get out of a lot of the messes we find ourselves in uh, with prejudgments that we'll never, never be able to, to relate to the other who has a different opinion, right? Which I think is false. Yeah, the othering of things is yeah. such a such a dangerous um, way of. Well, Existing, Jamil, do you have any thoughts on on sort of tips on <laughs> how to be a good listener? Yeah, I think I think for me this is one of those things of why I you know why I believe in harm reduction so much. It is some people they see it as a divisive topic. I don't, but uh, um, I think people who understand uh, harm reduction and and the basis of of wanting to to reduce harm in any interaction in any environment in any situation whether it's you know addiction mental health just life right and uh and uh it's about making sure you're being able to see what other people are going to be faced in terms of harms and and uh and and how to mitigate those harms right and and um and that's kind of i think how you approach uh difficult conversations or challenging conversations right like you don't want to inflict harm on people with your opinion or your 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 point of view right but you want to be able to open a dialogue where you can mitigate the harms to yourself but also to that person but then also be able to have a a frank or honest conversation and uh and get to a point where you can agree to disagree but uh but maybe you've also been able to open a, a new thought mm. or a, a new idea that can then grow into something great and beautiful and I think that's what you always want to get to um, in, in in any conversation right and uh, and you know these issues are hard uh, you're talking about people's lives right. you're talking about your family you're talking about people you care about right and, and it's it's not as it's not as easy to come rationally into every conversation and so figure out how you can get to that point yourself where you can have a, a rational conversation uh, remove some of maybe the more harsh emotions and then uh, come at an honest 
point, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and and I think being honest is a key to making that work well is can you can you be honest with how you feel about the situation? Like I can't talk to you right now, Dan, because this is too passionate for me, right? Like this is really important, but like maybe we can come back to that conversation yeah. or maybe we can find a way to, to get there another way that, that I can kind of take a minute and, and reflect or whatever that is. Yeah, good faith discussions uh, don't usually make the front page, you know, or, or <laughs> they don't really get to the top of the algorithm on social media. Um, Grace, do you have any thoughts as, as far as like t- good listening tips? I'm sure you've spoken with a lot of people in your work and like what happens when you're hearing something that you know is either false or, you know, something that's not uh, pleasant to hear, but how do, how do you stay calm and listen in those situations? I don't correct people mm. um, with the way that they think, but I really like to share what I know. And, and I only mm. share what I know because I follow the seven natural laws. I only speak the truth, right? And, and, I, and I've, when we set the tone in circles, that's one of the things that we, we, we start with are the seven natural laws. And then we, we start off with a smudge or else a drum or else, you know, we, we say we have a minute of silence for people to reflect on those seven natural mm-hmm. laws. So I think it, it really sets the tone in, in our circles for that. But as for people disagreeing with, with maybe a normal conversation that I would have, I stand my ground, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, you know, th- your, your views is, is great. I will listen to your views, but I'll also share with you that this is what I believe. Can you uh, break down the seven laws for those of us that may not know? Oh, right. Okay. Knowledge? Well, it's um, the truth, humility, mm. bravery, wisdom, honesty. Um, my mind just went out the window. <laughs> There's two more, I know. Um, I think, uh, well, it's ancient wisdom is what That's it is, right. right. You yeah. know what? Yeah. And, like and it's things that have been working and have worked. That's right. And, and everybody uses them. Everybody, mm-hmm. like all of us sitting around in this room, have all that, right? And so natural laws, and we practice them every day. Yeah. Right? So how do we have constructed, like there's so many, so much yelling. We're in the middle of a, of a provincial election. There's so much left and right chatter and middle chatter and loud, the loudest voice gets the front page. But how do we remain constructive and empathetic while (laughs) there's so many conversations about topics that tend to be drive a wedge between us? And I think that might, we can talk about how it's intentionally driving a wedge between people and trying to, you know, divide us. But how do we stay on topic? How do we stay productive? Um, How do we stay empathetic in these having difficult discussions. Jamil, maybe I'll start with you. Yeah, um, I think it's important um, to not let uh, position or status kind of get in the way of of, uh, good work. And I think this is one of the the challenges with politicians is is their job is is not as clear black and white what they do every day and the work they do in Mm -hmm. in terms of versus what we do in community. And I think, um, you know, I think sometimes the best thing for people to do if they're not uh, sure or they have a strong opinion but but it may be causing harm is to to figure out if you can just get out of the way of that right like in in your role and I I think you know I don't want to go on a soapbox here but (laughs) what we saw in the pandemic was you know governments got out of the way because they had to uh, and community came together and came up with solutions to keep people safe to get people through this really trying you know years it was yeah. So started short time period term, but like years of, of work, and um, and it really just showed that if you allow community uh, relationships to do the important things we need, and and don't 
bogs them down with, um, you know, ridiculous funding proposal restrictions. requirements, restrictions, all these things, and just get what people need to them directly. Uh, we just saw really beautiful things happening, right, in a, in a really hard time. And, and um, I want to figure out how to take those lessons and, and just remind everybody all the time that, like, we, ha we, we figured it out. Right. There's a period of time where everything was was really hard and no one knew what was going on and we figured out how to do it by by letting community do what community does best um and i think if we can go back to that um and and not let <laughs> roles or status or government kind of get in the way of, of community doing the good work then i think it gives us a much better way to um to create a, a society that's a better place for everybody yeah it, it speaks to a uh, a bottom-up human first approach rather than a top-down and that's been the you know the hundreds of years of we'll tell you what you need we'll tell you why you need it we'll tell you how to improve your situation instead of asking how what do you need how can we improve your situation uh, grace any thoughts about these divisive times and topics that we uh, that we're just that we're thinking about I have lots of thoughts Let's hear them. <laughs> I'm all over the place that's the saddest thing I hear I can't even stay focused I think one of the things like for me as I stand your ground but one, one of the things I wanted to share back with the question before when I talked about the seven natural laws is the is patience mm. right you have to have a lot of patience and I say that because I'm just gonna quick overview of, of a eagle feather bringing the eagle feather into the courtroom that was uh, that happened in 2018 and we started that well I started that the, the thought process on that for back in the 2000s and I had to go to both sides I had to go to the First Nations and you had Métis people and then I had to go to the non-indigenous people and they had all there was a lot of prep work in 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 trying to bring the eagle feather into the courtroom um, I had luckily I had help in courts because I had a, a provincial judge a federal judge and the the director executive director for courts formed a committee to bring the eagle feather into the courtroom. Mm. So there's a lot of convincing with the First Nations people, and there was a lot of convincing, convincing with the judicial people. But we were, we were persistent mm -hmm. and patient, and we listened to them, they listened to us, we listened to them, they listened to us, and we finally, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but at least the feathers, the eagle feathers, are now in the courts. Mm -hmm. So that was, and, and I've seen it, it's good. It's, it, it has worked for a lot of people, so that was worth that. I mean, it took a lot of years, right? I think that's another thing, too, is that mm -hmm. it takes time to do this work properly. And, and I think a lot of times um, the priority is speed, efficiency, get it done cheap as fast as we can, whereas uh, the, doing the work properly takes time, energy, and you know, a back and forth, and not just a one, one direction telling the other direction how it's going to be mm -hmm. a little bit dan what are your thoughts on oh this? man like this is a rich conversation <laughs> we go to a lot of places so you know around the divisiveness stuff uh you know um there's uh, i've been curious about this particular saying i think it came from a, a football coach and i'm not a big sport football but he said something like this don't quote me on the exact words but you'll get the intention right the quality of any intervention depends on the inner quality of the intervener, right? Mm. And so when we talk about divisiveness, for me, it's a recognition that we all have our work to do, right? Uh, all our work to do to work hard. Again, I may be repeating myself, but 
to stay curious, to stay open, to stay engaged, to, to, to be uncomfortable, to reach out to the other, to have a conversation and don't shut it down. There's always, there's always some element of common ground in any relationship. There has to be. That's how the world works. We are completely intertwined and connected, and that is just the way it works. So, so we gotta always remember that. And at some basic human level, and this may even be a, a from a Buddhist perspective, it doesn't matter. It resonates for me. Is everyone wants to be happy? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to be free from suffering, right? right. Some form, and they all want to belong. We all want to be loved. So at some basic level, we're all in that space together. So everything else, I think, you know, it's okay. We don't, we're not all going to agree, and there's going to be changes and differences. But that's the work we do. And I'll end on, again, this notion of between stimulus and response, there is space. Mm. And that's what we need. That's our work is how do I create more space to stay engaged and not react too quickly? Because in that moment, then defines what I'm about and what's about to happen and what can change the world, right? So those, that's the work we need to do. Now, the other conversations are around, like, I wish we would have conversations around what leadership is and start thinking about leadership differently. Because I think we've bought into this notion that leader is some powerful, all-knowing person at the top that's got all the answers. I think that's changing, but it's not changing fast enough. And I think leadership should be about convenership, and it should be about convening community because community form, Community will always form and know what needs to do. The answers are there. We just need to rethink how we've designed systems, which are all created by people, by the way, exactly. can all change for the betterment. We, we're in this time of, of deep change required in all our systems. There's cracks everywhere. And so we need to rethink this uh, differently, and, and I think it's time to change some deep-bedded uh, uh, structures and ways of thinking we've given ourselves that just don't work anymore. Yeah, um, Jamil, I'm curious your perspective on system reform and all of the. <laughs> uh, we only have you know t oh, ten yeah. more minutes or so, so we could talk for hours about system reform. But I mean, you are intertwined with so many different systems and levels of government and everything. So, like, what are your thoughts on how we can slay this beast that is systems of oppression that need to be dismantled that are so ingrained in our ways of thinking and knowing and doing, but it's not sustainable clearly what are your thoughts yeah i mean burn it down no. <laughs> uh no i mean it like yeah like the problem is is that the systems of oppression won't change themselves they're not there's no reason for them to do it they they get what they want right they want power control all that stuff so we can't expect them to change it right so the only way you change a system or dismantle oppression is is you know from organizing or getting mm -hmm. people together and and bringing people together and i think we have you know i think if we can do three things uh in this next 10 15 years we can literally change our country and community right like i think we need to strengthen healthcare. um without that you know without people having access and i'm not just talking about you know western medicine but also engaging you know yes. all forms of healing into our practice and and free like it should all be free and accessible right and, uh housing we need to create housing for everybody if we don't uh, we're never going to be able hmm. to do any any change right like we can't 
change the, the system. We can't end homelessness unless you have places to house people and there'd be good housing, there'd be supportive housing. We have to stop relying on the private market to provide all this stuff. It mm. has to come from community. It has to be uh, community-owned assets, right? It has to be places that that uh, you can't sell and and, <laughs> and get rid of, you know, and lose that stock. And, and we've seen since the 70s this erosion of, of housing across the country, right? And and so I think that. And then the third is, is you know, and it relates to healthcare, but... Um, uh, a, a better approach to addictions and mental health mm. and and specifically like looking at you know toxic drug supply and and taking really open-minded approaches to how to to address those issues and uh, and give people the capacity to to make the change in their life they need I think I've never met anyone that uh, when given the time and space uh, didn't want to make the right changes for their life right. to make it better right. um, but we also have to address uh, trauma Mm-hmm. Um, history of colonization, right? Like, like our country is built on that, and so until we try to build our country on something else, it won't change. And so I think that's where we really need to see a, a change. And if we can do that, if we can do those three things, uh, we'll be much further along the way to a, a much better society. And and once we have a strong safety net where everyone's supported, then that's where we'll thrive, right? Yeah. And that's where people will be as healthy as possible, and they'll support each other around them. But uh, but if we keep allowing these issues, and you'll see it in this election coming up, like we're going to see homelessness and addiction, you know, tossed around, and and the solutions are all going to be police based yeah. or carceral based <laughs> or or you know criminalizing people for for trying to survive, and and if that's the route we want to go, we can. I mean, we've seen it in, in the country below us, no. right? Like, no. it it doesn't lead to a more productive society. It doesn't lead to a more just society. It doesn't lead to a more caring society, and so. We need to we need to change that. I mean, to change uh, how we want our country built, and and that won't change if we keep doing the same thing over and over again. Incredibly said, yeah. Grace, any thoughts that of what Jamil's just uh, talked about? What I like about um, our organization is that we don't have the hierarchy of what leadership looks like all around it. Like our organization is based on partnership, and we're all partners, and no one is is better or higher than the other because we all discuss our, our finite, like everything that we do in circles is with everybody that's mm-hmm. in that circle. And I think that works because it's, it's indigenous led, number one, for uh, circles reconciliation. And as First Nations Inuit Métis people, that's how we, we functioned back prior to what leadership looks like now. I think that is the hopeful thing is that solutions do exist. There are places that are doing things that we're talking about and have implemented some of these ideas and it does work (laughs) and we can do it, but it's just, we got to kind of all get on the same page a little bit. Um, So for this last question, when it comes to restoring trust in institutions, (coughs) healing divides and inspiring change, uh, either from your own work with your own organizations or things that you're seeing in the community, what gives you hope right now when looking at the landscape of Winnipeg when it comes to empathy and compassion? What, give, what gives you hope, Dan? Um, these conversations. Um, and there are more of them. And I'm noticing more of them. And I think what I'm hearing in the conversations uh, is, is people, I hate using the term, it's been hijacked, and kind of waking up to mm. there's a different world waiting for us because what we thought it was, it wasn't and we can do better. And there's more of those conversations happening and they're happening all the time. And I think, you know, for some who have been at it for a very, very, very long time, it'll never be fast enough. But 
I'm hopeful it's coming. <laughs> and at the end of the day, when you break it all down, institutions, policies, governments, it's all people. It's all people. We gotta stop hiding behind the word institution and systems and organizations, it's people. And I like it when we can see each other and talk to each other and stay curious. And I think there's, so that I think there's, I think there's lots of potential. But so you have to stay hopeful. If you, if you don't have hope, well, I don't know what's the alternative. No kidding, Grace. What what gives you hope in your in your work or in the community? What are what are you seeing that that's hopeful? Um, in my community of First Nations people. Uh, when I see people owning their language, their culture, their traditions, mm -hmm. um, their ceremonies, I see strength in, and also with non-Indigenous people having our backs. Mm -hmm. I think that's key, right? We have a whole line of allies, I guess you would say. Um, and also that some of the calls to action have been completed, actually slow, but at least there mm -hmm. has been some that have been done. So that's, that gives me hope. The roadmap is there. The, yeah. the actions are written down. Yeah, That's exactly. Right. Jamil, what are your thoughts uh, when it comes to hope? What gives you hope? Yeah, hope is essential. And I know we talked about burning out earlier. And I think that hope is a good way to not burn yourself out. But I think you have to celebrate every small win. And, mm -hmm. and I think we we don't do it enough. And I know I, I've been guilty of this most of my life. But the work is like you you do something good. You you achieve it, you get it up and running, whatever it is, and then you go to the next thing, right? There's and you're always, always like, next, yeah. always something next. And I think taking that time to celebrate even even tiny wins, and that, you know, we think about this a lot. You know, we run, um, you know, withdrawal management and detox services, and and in those situations where people are just starting their healing journey from addiction uh, and substance abuse, right? Like, um, very little things are very can be very hopeful, right? Mm. So the, that ability to just you know be able to focus on on a small change in your body or or things like that, that that are the start of your healing and then embracing those things and then, you know, celebrating that stuff, being like, I, you know, I felt a change. My, you know, my mind's different. I'm thinking different. I feel, you know, like those things we need to celebrate and, and not everything has to be macro changes all the time. It's those little things and, and uh, especially in really intense work and crisis work, like if you can't uh, celebrate small things and, and I think having fun while you're doing it as well and, and some people think it's a little crass but uh, if you're not having fun all the time like even doing hard things yeah. um, laughing and enjoying hard times I, like it's part of life and you're going to get through them but um, you need to make them fun and, and you need to, to celebrate uh, more little things and I think that's where you get the most hope right like uh, I could rattle off a million success stories, you know, and, and, and they'll mean a lot to me or those people, but, but you know, it, it's what do you have in your life and your family and the people you're working with and caring with that are, are, are you can celebrate and enjoy, and I think that's where the hope comes from, and, uh, and I think hope that we all want something better, um, and we're all working as much as we can together, and so I think the more we bring folks together, that happens in a really good way. Beautifully said. I think, too... Um Every all the all the systems are, and everything is just stories we tell ourselves. It's the stories we've all collectively agreed to um, understand and believe in. But and, and I think the pandemic and just the last four or five years in general have really shook and shaken those uh, foundations that we thought were just givens. And I think um, it's interesting to see people start. You know, wake up is a is a term that's thrown around a lot. Um, but it, it's it's reassuring and hopeful to see the the wokeness start to
permeate a little bit. And I know that's a bad word for some groups, but it just means being awoken to how the world actually is rather, rather than, um, you know, otherwise. So final thoughts uh, and what, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Any, any sort of parting thoughts, summer, summer, summations of what you've talked about? And then maybe also include um, where people can find out more about your organization as well, whether it's a website or anything like that. So Dan first. Yeah, I know I just really appreciate being uh, together with uh, Grace and uh, Jamil. Good to see you again. And uh, yeah, look, stay curious, stay open. Try not to judge, bark the stories, uh, get out there, meet people, talk to people. Look people in the eye. Yeah. And where, where can people find out more about your Yeah, go to our website, just uh, type in the Réseau Compassion Network, Compassion Network, it should pop up, and you'll learn a lot about what we're doing and uh, all our network organizations that I think continue to do uh, some good work in our, in our community. Beautiful. Grace, same thing to you. Final thoughts, and where can people find out more? Well, I'm going to say come join our circles. Yes. They're free to participants, right? So um, our website is www.rexcirclesforreconciliation.ca. So check us out. Come talk to us and uh, let's talk to each other. Have those conversations. Look yes. people in the eyes and share and, <laughs> yeah. and empathize and connect. Yeah. yeah, beautifully said. Jamil, last word to you. Yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think engaging in your community is the best. And I think, you know, uh, civil disobedience uh, <laughs> is good, right? Like every change comes from people standing up and, and fighting power. And I think the more you speak truth to power and the more you fight that change, the better it is. And, and it doesn't, I mean, the fight is a aggressive word, but it doesn't, you know, we talked about earlier about how you have conversations and how you build those things, but it takes people to be bold. It takes people to question the status quo and push limits. And, and I think I've always been fortunate to kind of work at places where I was able to do that in my roles. And, and I always feel super lucky to do that. But I also take that responsibility to make sure other people have that ability to do that as well. And I think that's an important part about um, you know, every inch you can get advancing, you need to also bring people up uh, and support them advancing those inches as well. So I think, it, you know, the more we have to do that and we have to disrupt because if we don't, um, we won't ha see change. And I think we have to have to work for that change. And, and that's what we, we try to do at Main Street Project, right? Really try to, to change where, you know, we're in a, a place where we do a lot of crisis and emergency work now, but our goals are to, you know, be a housing organization in the future mm -hmm. that is not doing as much emergency crisis work because there's less emergency crisis work to do in the future right so that's where we got to work to get towards so you know you can check out Main Street Project on all the social media um, we just started doing more videos for TikTok and Reels so yeah. our communications people are very excited about that <laughs> um, and uh, MainStreetProject.ca uh, everything's on there and I mean I always tell people too you know there's nothing we do that we don't share or is it available so if you see something you like in our programs or our work and in, in anything and you want like i'll send you the policy i'll send you the draft documents i'll send you everything right because i think the more we we no one owns this work right it's it's what work for betterment of the community so the more we do that together um so i you know we're working hard to get more documents up on our website so people can just use them and and take them and and make what they can with them right and so um the more we do that collectively i think the the better it is and it'll save everybody a ton of time <laughs> Planting those seeds of change. Uh, Jamil Mahmood, thank you from uh, the Main Street Project. Uh, Grace Shedler from Circles for Reconciliation. And Daniel Lussier from Rousseau Compassion Network. Yeah. Thank you so much for the conversation today. It's an honor to have you as guests. And thank you for just planting these seeds of ideas in people's minds to try to, you know, join community, support your local wherever you happen to be right now and just get out there look people in the eye and try to make the world a better place that's that's what we got to do uh, thanks for your time thanks for